Here's today's reminder. If your church is going to grow, you have to equip your leaders. But how do you do this? How do you empower the leaders at your church to lead well? Join us at equiplab.com backslash church leaders. We're here to equip your ministry team to thrive. Just go to equiplab.com backslash church leaders and join us today. Hello and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day. For those of you new to the Church Leaders Podcast, our goal is to help those working in churches to lead better every day. For the past several years, we've done this by interviewing today's top leaders and gleaning their insights into ministry, culture, and theology on a weekly basis. In a few weeks, however, we're going to shift gears to that of a seasonal approach. Each season will consist of a collection of interviews exploring a topic that the Big C Church is grappling with. Originally, we planned on launching this new series of podcasts on the topic of abortion and the future of the pro-life movement. While that is still a relevant topic, and one we'll explore later this year, the events that transpired in the U.S. Capitol on January 6th thrust another, more pressing topic into our culture's consciousness. That is, Christian nationalism. Our editorial team decided it would better serve our listeners to broach this topic while it is still on everyone's minds. So starting in a few weeks, we're going to look at the topic from a sociological, theological, and pastoral perspective. You'll likely hear information and perspectives you haven't heard before. You might not agree with all of it, but at the end of the season, you'll definitely be more informed and better equipped to help your congregation approach Christian nationalism from a Christ-centered perspective. Also, just a friendly reminder that if you enjoy the Church Leaders Podcast, please leave us a review. Your reviews and ratings help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content as well. And now, allow me to introduce our guest for this week's episode. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I had a mind-blowing conversation this week with Rabbi Jason Sobel. Jason grew up in a Jewish family in New Jersey and was intrigued by seeking truth. He encountered the Lord and found his true destiny as a Jewish follower of Jesus. Jason is the founder of Fusion Global, a ministry that seeks to bring people into the full inheritance of the faith by connecting treasures of the old and the new. Jason is the co-author of the New York Times bestseller, The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi, with Kathy Lee Gifford. And his newest book, entitled Mysteries of the Messiah, is available now. So on this week's episode, Jason and I discuss how the thread of Jesus is woven throughout the tapestry of Scripture. Jason shares how the hope that so many people are seeking now is affirmed by God's activity, which connects both the Old and New Testaments. Jason provides some amazing examples of these incredible connections, such as the significance of the number Jesus tells Peter to forgive, seven times seventy. This is an episode that will definitely keep you intrigued and looking for more, as Jason provides so many fascinating insights. So please join me in my conversation with Rabbi Jason Sobel. Jason, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you for making time to be with us today. Shalom. I'm excited to be with you. Thank you so much. It's always great to be with another Jason. <laughs> That's right. That's right, brother. Now, now Jason, you are a, a Jewish rabbi who yes. follows Jesus, recognizes him as the Messiah, 
Um, you have a, a, a fascinating story of how you got to that place. Could you share that with us? How did you come to place your faith in Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in a traditional Jewish family in the Holy Land, New Jersey, <laughs> where there are more Jewish people than in Jerusalem. And I went to Hebrew school as a child, was bar mitzvah, became the son of the commandments, you know, had lost most of my family during the Holocaust. So being Jewish was something that was really important. And make a long story short, I was working in the music industry in New York City with a lot of famous individuals. I looked at the lives of all these famous people and I said to myself, there has to be more to life than just this. And that's where I really began my spiritual journey. Started studying with my rabbi one-on-one and also studying martial arts and through that yoga and meditation. And kind of one day I was meditating, my soul began to vibrate. It left my body. I went up into heaven. I had this encounter with this king high and lifted up in this glorious light. And I didn't know anything about Jesus, but I knew that was him sitting on that throne. Wow. And he told me I was called to serve him. Now, I had no idea what that meant for a Jewish kid from New Jersey to serve Jesus, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I didn't have, I really, I didn't, I knew Catholics, Jews, and a couple liberal Presbyterians, but uh, I didn't know anyone, and no one had ever really shared with me the gospel before. And so I had no idea what to do with this. And my best friend, John, wound up coming to faith. And he said to me, Jason, can you tell the difference between the Old and the New Testament? You went to Hebrew school. I'm like, sure. He read to me this passage about the crucifixion. And he was like, uh, I was like, he was like old or new. I was like, well, that's obviously the New Testament. He said, that's very good. And he said, well, let me read you another passage. He was bruised for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and by his stripes were healed. He said, old or new. I said, obviously, that's talking about Jesus. He said, no, that's the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, prophesying about the Messiah 700 years before he ever walked the face of the earth. And I began to be provoked to jealousy. Mm. And uh, he invited me to this messianic congregation. And at the end of the evening, they dimmed the lights and prayed. I figured I needed all the help I can get. So I prayed. I raised my hand. They said, if you raise your hand, you've just been born again. I said, well, I don't know what it means to be born again, except I gave my mother enough trouble when I was born once. God only knows if I'm born again. Jewish kids, don't get born again. (laughs) (laughs) But they said, we saw you raise your hand. You have to stand up. That was actually Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, who kind of tricked me into faith. Uh, (laughs) And (laughs) they gave me the first New Testament I'd ever seen. I took it home. My friend was John was so happy. He said, I've been, I was praying to lead one Jewish person to the Lord. I never thought it could be you. I don't know if I was uh, more offended that he didn't think there was any hope for me or that he was praying behind my back. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I went home and I read the New Testament for the first time. Curiosity got the best of me. And what the Lord said to me in that encounter uh, was found in the New Testament. The New Testament I'd never read before. The, one of the things he said to me was a verse in the New Testament. I was blown away how Jewish it was, the Messianic prophecies. I'm like, he's the one Moses and the Messiah spoke of, gave my life in him, gave my life to him, and I was completely transformed. My, mount, my mom found the Bible in my room, New Testament. She's like, what is this that you found? You join a cult, go meet with the rabbi. That's a whole nother story. We talk about all this in the book, Mysteries of the Messiah, as we introduce it. That's a little bit about my journey. And God just transformed me, went to Bible college, went to seminary, and went to study an Orthodox yeshiva in Jerusalem. And it's been a crazy journey. <laughs> wow. Well, so Jason, how how long ago was that transformation 
you know, how, how long ago, how, how long have you been walking with Jesus now? Yeah, over 20 years. Oh, wow. That's yeah. incredible. Incredible. Yeah. What, what a cool story. Now, Jason, uh, your latest book, Mysteries of the Messiah, leads me to believe that you and I probably have a lot in common beyond just our first name, sharing, you know, first name Jason. Uh, <laughs> right. Since we're, we're both intrigued by mysteries, including the mystery of God. In, in some ways, it seems that people have lost appreciation for the mystery of God. Instead, they want to sort of box God in, you know, contain him in, in some way that might be more comfortable. Many are missing out on the invitation to, to really explore our faith more deeply. Can you share with us a bit about how you value, because obviously you do, kind of this exploration of our faith, and why is that so important in our journey with God? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that one of the reasons why I wrote Mysteries of Messiah is actually for that, exactly for that reason, because I think there has been a sense of wonder, a loss of wonder, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a great rabbi wrote, he said, man won't, and modern man won't die from a lack of want, he'll die from a lack of wonder. And I think the we have to restore this wonder and this mystery uh, because, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, one, I think that, you know, it says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. Uh, there's something majestic and meaningful about searching out the deeper things, right? Mm-hmm. I like to describe the scriptures, uh, I mean, as an, as an ocean. It's shallow enough that anyone can wade in it and enjoy it, but it's so deep that you can never plumb the depths of it. But it's in looking at those mysteries. It's that revelation that leads to transformation. And really, that's what we found in the first book that we did with Kathy Lee Gifford, with, uh, which was The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi, that connected the old and the new. And people were just so impacted by it. Uh, we just found out it sold over 500,000 copies, right? So people wow. were so impacted by it. Right. And so we wanted to help people continue the journey and have that kind of road to Emmaus experience. You know the story, right? Yep. The disciple, two of the disciples are on the road. They're dejected. They thought Jesus was the Messiah. Now they think he's not. He appears to them. They don't know who he is. He opens up the scriptures, show how everything in the old points to him. And they were, then he opens their eyes with the breaking of the bread. And they said, did our hearts not burn within us as he revealed to us how everything in the law, the writings and the prophets pointed to him. And we want people to have that road to Emmaus experience. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's powerful. And and Jason, um, you write this. You say many people don't appreciate how the Old Testament and the New Testament fit together. Uh, so talk to us a little bit. Why why do you think that more people do not have a greater appreciation for that connection between the Old and New Testament? Look, I think in our culture we equate old with outdated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who wants an old iPhone or right. an old computer or an old TV? Right. We want the new. We think of new as better. And historically, there's been a theology that's kind of made this dichotomy. New Testament is is grace. Old Testament is law. And so I think there's a lot of misconceptions and, and a misunderstanding about how the old and the new connect. And really, it, it, the fact that, you know, a lot of people like right, might right, read the opening books of the Bible, even books like Leviticus or all oh, those are just laws. But listen, Messiah is in every detail of it. That's mm. the amazing thing. <laughs> right. The rabbis say everything was written for the sake of the Messiah. Like there's not a word or a concept that he's not connected to. And the way that and the reason why I think it's so important is right. We just came off the Super Bowl recently, mm-hmm. and uh, 
you know, one one year before the Super Bowl, I went out and bought a high definition television. I was so excited <laughs> to to watch it, right? And I, they said, change your experience. I watched the whole game like, oh, this isn't so great. And at the end of the game, I was flipping through the channels and I had a realization and a revelation. The higher channels were the high definition channels. I watched the whole game in standard definition because I didn't realize it. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people are, are reading the Bible in standard definition because they don't know how the old and the new connect. And when you connect the dots, the Bible comes alive, Your, our theology is deepened, and just our worldview is transformed, and our, and our passion for, for Jesus, Yeshua, is deepened. Yeah, that's, that's good. So, Jason, tell me, how, uh, you know, as pastors, teachers, ministry leaders, those who are listening in uh, to, to this podcast, um, how can they help uh, their people, right? How, how do we help our people better appreciate how the Old Testament relates to the New Testament. Because I, I believe what you said is true that oftentimes we, you know, focus more on the New Testament because that's where Jesus, quote unquote, really shows up, right? So, um, and, and we spend a lot of time there, but but how is it that we as pastors can help, you know, deepen that appreciation and that connection between the two? Yeah, I mean, I, even before I get into that, I just want to say that one of the reasons why I wrote this book is to give people hope. Because hope is the belief that your future is going to be better than the past. Right. But part of having hope is knowing God is in the details, that his hand is connecting it all and guiding history and, and bringing all of the pieces together. So that's the beautiful thing. Like when you see how the old and the New Testament connect, it gives you hope because, you know, God has, been, has had a master plan and he's working it all out. And that's true today with what's going on with our country and the elections. And so I think there's two ways to do it, right? One, you can come at it from the place of the new. And you can say, for example, how does this connect back, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at a thing like, you know, why is the first miracle Jesus does to turning the water into wine, right? We need to be good detectives. We need to question the text. We need to wrestle the text. Well, if all the miracles he could have performed why is that the first miracle? So then you just begin to ask, why could that be the first miracle, right? And then you think, well, when we think about redemption, he does that miracle in the context of Passover, right? And so how does that connect back to Passover? What's the first miracle Moses does? He turns the water into blood. Hmm. Jesus turns the water into wine because he doesn't come to bring death. He comes to bring life that we might have it more abundantly. So you can start in the new and say, how does this connect back to the old? Because there's always a connection. Or if you're preaching from the old, you can say everything there points to Jesus. How does it point to Jesus? And I think those are the foundational questions that we need to ask and then find yourself a, a good rabbi who believes in Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because as you're talking, Jason, I, I love that. And one of the favorite uh, favorite things as, as a preacher myself, what I would really, really enjoy is seeing those connections um, and seeing the thread of Jesus, you know, throughout scripture beginning to end. One of, one of the, the perhaps dangers is trying to make Jesus fit in somewhere just kind of on our own, like like working really hard at trying to, to to make it work as opposed to really looking at the text, looking at the culture, looking at what was happening. So what recommendations do you have? I mean, I know obviously one of them is digging into a book like uh, Mysteries of the Messiah because it, it makes it very, very clear. But are there any cautions you have for pastors and teachers 
as they're trying to make these connections, um, you know, where, where they need to be kind of careful and thoughtful? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, I'd say the most important caution is don't build a theology off of things that are obscure. <laughs> right. Right. So, so, so again, so I'm less concerned if it's illustrative of a point that's clearly a biblical point, right? There are some things that I do, like when I see these kind of connections and we do things with numbers that I would never build a theology or a foundational biblical principle off of something like that. Mm -hmm. But I think, but I think if it's illustrative of a clear biblical principle, then, you know, I think it's fine. Like any illustration you would use. Right. Um, You know, so, and, and then I think also like, you know, again, it's, it's study to show yourself approved, right? You look at, you look at what have other commentators said, what have other Jewish people interpret this text, how have Messianic uh, Jewish believers in Jesus interpreted this text. So I think those are some of the guidelines uh, for looking at it. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely helpful, Jason. So um, you gave us a, a nice little snippet with um, Jesus' first miracle, but talk to us a little more. Share some, some uh, more examples of how uh, the mystery of the Messiah is found in the pages of the Old Testament. Yeah, I mean, it's found literally from the very first letter. (laughs) Hmm. So we talk about the mystery of creation. And so the first letter of the Bible in Hebrew, Genesis chapter one in Hebrew is begins Bereshit bara Elohim, in the beginning God created. So the first letter of the Bible is a letter bait, which is the second letter of the alphabet. And people ask the question, well, Rabbis ask the question, why didn't the Bible start with the very first letter, letter Aleph, which most of the Hebrew names of God begin with the letter Aleph? Why does it begin with Beit, the second letter? Because it's interesting because the first letter is Beit, and the last letter of the book of Revelation is the word Amen, which is a Hebrew word, which ends in N. Beit and Nun spell the word Ben. It spells sun in Hebrew. From the first letter to the last letter, it all points to the sun wow. from the beginning to the end, right? And then we get into this, obviously, we're heading into the Easter, Passover, Lent season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things we talk about is the mystery of the tree. You know, of all the ways Jesus could have died, why did he have to die on a tree? Was it just because it was the means of Romans execution of the day? Obviously, there has to be a greater purpose in the plan of God than that. Think about it for a moment. How did sin enter the world? Man stole from the tree in the very beginning. So the fall came through taking from the tree. So God puts back on the cross, which is a tree for you and me to break the curse and to bring restoration uh, for our sins, right? And think about it for a moment. Why was his hands pierced? Because what did we use to steal from the tree? Our hands. Why was his feet pierced? Because the first messianic prophecy was that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Satan's the original gangster. He's like, you think you're going to crush my head? I'm going to crush your head, right? Mm -hmm. Why is his side pierced? Because who led Adam into temptation? It was Eve, the one taken from the side. He's making atonement for the woman. Why does he have a crown of thorns on his head? Because what's the curse of creation? The ground would produce thorns and thistles. He's literally taken the curse of creation on his head to reverse it and to restore the blessing. Wow. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And those, uh, when you understand that one, it, it helps deepen your your understanding and your faith, helps draw those connections. But as you said earlier, it also 
gives that that sense of of hope and steadfastness that that God has been faithful um, from the beginning. He's faithful today, and you can see that running through. Talk to me a little bit, Jason, about how how is it that we can share these types of of connections? Um, yes, through the sermon, you know, and through teaching. But are there other ways that um, the everyday believer can kind of share these sorts of connections that they find um, that might have an impact on uh, relationships with others and helping point others to Jesus? Oh, yeah. Look, I think even the idea of what we just talked about, right? You know, the idea of the that he dies on a tree, right? So right. when you think about him dying on a tree, it's to undo what happened in the garden. Well, to understand what happened in the garden, uh, you can understand it. The fall, the result of the fall is exile, right? Exile is about becoming disconnected and distant. And we became disconnected and distant on four levels. We became disconnected spiritually from God. We came di- disconnected from ourself, our identity, and our emotions became all kind of messed up. We became disconnected uh, interpersonally, relationally from other people. And we became disconnected physically from creation where there's uh, sickness and death and chaos in the world. And so when Jesus dies on the tree, he comes to undo all four aspects of those ex- all four aspects of that exile, right? Mm-hmm. He comes to bring spiritual connection, emotional connection, relational connection, and physical connection, healing and wholeness. And so I think even understanding something like that, when we're counseling people, when we're looking at people's lives and saying, look, you know, God didn't create you to live in a state of disconnection, right? Creation was for the sake of connection, you know, and I think we have to look and say, how can we connect to people on those four levels? How do we minister to people so that that's, that's the fullness of the life he brings, right? Mm -hmm. He He comes to bring us salvation, but it's about the spiritual, emotional, relational, and physical connection and transformation in our life. And how do we as individuals, how do we as a church minister to people on those four levels so that they can find wholeness in their life? Yeah, that's good. That, that's excellent. Jason, tell us, um, what are some other things that uh, as you have you know, dedicated your life really to, to seeing these connections and helping others understand these connections, what are some of the other mysteries that, that you see that tie into, as you said, we're, you know, we're moving into Passover, Lent, and, and Holy Week, and Easter. What are some of those other connections to, to that season? Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I mean, one of the ones that I love is that when you're talking about the Passover lamb, Exodus 12, 5 tells us the Passover lamb has to be tamim. It has to be perfect, right? It has to be a perfect, spotless Passover lamb. One of the interesting things there is that Hebrew is alphanumeric. So in Hebrew, you write letters and numbers, and the same is true with Greek. Uh, so in Hebrew, you, there are no Roman numerals. So you write so you write letters with numbers, and so therefore every word has a numerical value, which is oftentimes important. So the numerical value of the word tamim as in, in Exodus for a spotless perfect lamb is 490. But why is that important? Because 490 is also, tamim can also mean to be complete, but 490 is also connected to 
where Jesus was born, the numerical value of the phrase Bethlehem in Hebrew, Beit Lechem equals 490. Nativity in Hebrew equals 490. And all of this is important because when Peter comes to Jesus and says, how many times do I have to forgive? Up to seven, Jesus like, he's not impressed, right? He's like, right. no, not seven times. How many times does he say? Seven times 70. Right, 490. Jesus yeah. didn't pick that number for a reason. 490 is the numerical value of the spotless Passover lamb, which was slaughtered to bring about forgiveness of sin. So he was born 490 in Bethlehem, 490, as the perfect lamb, 490, so that we can experience that 490 forgiveness, because it preaches us that just like, if you can't forgive, you can't be complete in your faith. Mm. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and Bethlehem literally means what house of bread bait means house lecha mean bread. Well, bread and forgiveness are connected. The Lord's prayer, give us this day, our daily right bread, bread. And what's the next line? Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us at the last supper, which was actually a Passover Seder. Jesus breaks the bread and says, this is my body broken for you. So he connects bread and forgiveness which is connected to 490 house of bread, the spotless Passover lamb forgiving 70 times seven. And what's the deeper lesson for all of us? When we withhold forgiveness, it's like telling a starving person to go and die. Just like we can't live without bread physically. We can't live emotionally, relationally, or spiritually without the bread of forgiveness, which is Jesus and what he offers to us. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> it's kind of mind-blowing. Once you get going, I'm just sitting here like smiling because it's just like, whoa, wait, but what and what and what and how? And oh, that's that's awesome. Oh, and, 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 and that's the thing. You can keep going deeper because the other place 490 occurs is in the book of Daniel and the prophecy of 70 years of Daniel, 70 times 7, 490 years until all of uh, prophetic history is fulfilled and the kingdom is established. Well, why 490? brief answer the reason for why 490 because 490 is the ultimate sabbatical year israel went into exile in the days of jeremiah in part for neglecting the sabbatical years every seven years the land was to rest right mm -hmm. and so why is that significant in relation to forgiveness because in the same way you can't uh, till the land forgiveness is about not digging up the past right if you keep digging up the past you haven't really forgiven and so when Jesus comes and he gives us life, he wipes away our past. He's never going to bring it up again. It's done. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> so much. It's, it's fun too. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's encouraging, inspiring, filled with hope, but it's, it's, it, it, it again, embraces kind of that whole wonder, you know what I mean? And that, that, that God is so much bigger than what we often think he is, you know what I mean? And even if we unintentionally box him in, he 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 just shows us that he's so much bigger than than any of that. So absolutely love that. Love love what you've done um, in in your latest book here, uh, Mysteries of the Messiah. Are, are there any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up our conversation, Jason? Any final thoughts um, or encouragement that you'd like to share with the pastors and teachers and mystery leaders who are listening in today? Yeah, I think I just want to encourage. You know, one of the things that we talk about in the book is the mystery of, of the, of the, of the small olive. Right. And so and it's connected to the mystery of Moses. So in Leviticus chapter one, one of the things it says, it says that, um, and God called Moses is how Leviticus opens. 
And in Hebrew, it says the word Vayikra. And the word Vayikra in the Hebrew text is written with a small letter Aleph at the end of it. And the reason why it is, to make a long story short, is Moses was so humble, he didn't want to write that God directly called him. Right. And so he wanted to, he made a small letter Aleph because if you make a small letter Aleph, it means God called you by chance and not intentionally. Right. And mm. so what do we learn about that character, listen, charisma without character leads to chaos in the kingdom. Mm. We've got a lot of leaders that have charisma, but they don't have the character and maturity. And we tend to elevate people because of their giftings, but we need to be careful to make sure they have the character to go with the charisma that they have or else it leads to chaos right? right and the foundational character trait we talk about this in the book in the series of the messiah is humility right and moses writes the small olive because he's the humblest man in all the earth and humi humility is the foundation of spiritual service to god and humility is about occupying the right amount of space right if you occupy too much space you're prideful if you occupy too little space, it's false humility. Hmm. God has a promise for every one of our, every one of the listeners today. And he wants us not to occupy Wall Street. He wants us to occupy our promise. But the way to do that is through humility. The way to greatness is through smallness. And, and that's why Jesus is so humble in the New Testament, right? He washes feet. He comes to serve. And we need to embody that same servant spirit because I'm out in Hollywood in LA. And I see a lot of celebrity pastors. Look, it's great if God gives us that influence, but first and foremost, we need to be servants, right? Mm -hmm. We don't need more celebrity pastors. We need more servants of the King. And I'll just share one more thing. I had this dream, right? And in this dream, I don't, I don't have many God dreams, but I felt this was a God dream. I was walking, uh, the a premiere, a Hollywood premiere, and these giant spotlights were taken out of the sky and placed on me and they began to blind me. And I said, God, take the, I said, take the lights off me. And in the dream, I felt God say to me, if you ever try and take my light and my glory and put it on yourself, you'll be blinded. But mm -hmm. as long as you keep the light focused on me, you'll be fine. As long as you remain small in your own sight, you remain significant in mine. And I learned that the way to greatness in the kingdom is through smallness. It's through humility and loving and serving others and making space for God and making space for others. And when we do that, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That's when we can truly occupy our promise and, and do great things for him. And then our truly our motivation for serving him is not the size of our congregation or, or the size of the offerings that come in, but it's because we love him and we love people. And we serve humbly to make an impact for the kingdom. Yeah, Jason, I love that. It's beautiful. Great, great word there, brother. I, I want to give you the opportunity um, because I'm sure as listeners are listening in, um, they're intrigued. They'd like to, you know, connect with you, connect with your ministry, um, learn more about your book, Mysteries of the Messiah. So how can they do all of those things? Yeah, I mean, if they want to go directly to the book, mysteriesofthemessiahbook.com. Uh, they can go to fusionglobal.org, which is our ministry website, which they can also find it there. We have a also a free weekly teaching on the scriptures, multi-pages going through Genesis to Deuteronomy every week, like Jesus would have studied and read with the disciples like Jews still read today in the synagogue. 
So there's free teaching resources, videos, uh, all sorts of stuff, our YouTube channel. So yeah, there are all sorts of ways to connect. And we love supporting and encouraging pastors and leaders. I've been a rabbi and a pastor, planted several communities. So I know it is the toughest mm. and the most impactful job you can have. So I am grateful to all the pastors and leaders that are listening. Awesome, Jason. Thank you so much. And we'll have links for our listeners in the show notes so that you can uh, find Jason's latest book, Mysteries of the Messiah, connect with his ministry and find some of those free resources. We really appreciate you providing those, Jason. So thank you so much for making time to hang out with us today on the Church Leaders Podcast. Hey, it was great being here. Thanks so much, Jason. It's a blessing. All right. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. We hope you are finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast, and if so, we would appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcast so they can benefit as well. Thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send an email to podcast at churchleaders.com or connect with me on Twitter. You can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app, available for both Apple and Android. So be sure to check out Faith Play. Until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.